Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. It's time to do Chapter 3 of The Golden Chain by Albert Olison. The title of Chapter 3 is The First Transgression. Before we study the process that restores us to the perfect condition from which Adam fell, we must consider our present state. We certainly must know the extent and seriousness of the disease of sin before we can prescribe the cure. We should know whether it is curable or incurable, and the length to which we must go to eliminate it. Is it contagious or hereditary, a temporary ailment or fatal in effect, and under what conditions may we expect a cure? Let us observe Adam and Eve, the only two beings who ever lived upon this world without a childhood. They appeared upon the sixth day of creation in the full strength and glory of maturity, the king and queen of this new planet. They were worthy to occupy this position, for no finer examples of humanity could exist. They were the perfection of God's creation. Within the complexity of cell and tissue that composed our first parents, resided all the characteristics that have since been disclosed by the nations and peoples of the earth. What great privilege was theirs as they stood perfect in creation, and they were further privileged to be the progenitors of a happy race on earth. Originally, these two were holy beings, possessing the living principles of God's law in their hearts. Not one characteristic of their nature interfered with the outworking of its provisions. Theirs was a natural obedience, with no counterforce in operation. How marvelously happy were they in the Garden of Eden, designed by the divine architect. As they lived in their new dominion, one essential requirement for their continued enjoyment and privilege was growth of character a free will decision to obey the exact requirements of God had to be made by Adam and Eve. To establish character requires choice, and choice requires decision. For the purpose of the test, God permitted a foreign influence to invade Eden, the adversary. He succeeded in deceiving Eve so that she thought she was acting from noble motivation. Facing the loss of Eve, Adam made a fatal choice, his mate, in preference to his God. Therefore, we come to that fatal state of knowledge of good and evil. Since we know the story, it's not necessary to chronicle the details of the fall. What we wish to investigate is the result, the fruitage, of one act of disobedience. When Adam and Eve sinned, they plunged to such a depth that nine centuries of life with sincere repentance and remorse could not restore them to Eden. That first sin could not be reversed by nearly a thousand years of faithful obedience. Into the nature of man's being had entered the fatal virus of sin, contamination of the springs of life a disease of mind, body, and spirit, which would grow progressively worse in effect, resulted 
and from that primary infection of the race developed thousands of afflictions, physical, mental, and moral. This invasion of nature by sin, once induced, was hereditary in all of Adam's children. If Adam and Eve could have foreseen the consequences of their act, doubtless they would have hesitated, yet how often do we also walk blindly into disobedience? It was not far from the tree of life to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The paths of truth and error are close together at first, but their final destinations are far apart. But the wages of sin. Sin has made a sick world. We are sick persons, peoples, nations. Visit a clinic, call at the country homes or rest homes for the aged these and many more are symbols of the physical, moral, and mental ills that plague our generation. Witness the specter of famine that has blotted out millions of lives. What does that mean to us who live in abundance? Only a set of figures that cannot reveal the pain, the tears, the terror, multiplied immeasurably by ignorance or superstition. Also, war and strife, the excuse for destruction, have, from the time of Cain, shadowed all generations, inspired and engendered by the spirit of evil. These are the accessories of death itself. What a trail of woe, suffering, and misery has been the history of brutal conflicts between nations. It is the fruit of envy, coveting, injured pride, clashing desires, the unholy consequence of sin, that finally ripens into a global war inspired by the sinister rebel who first made war in heaven. We have not mentioned the maladies which afflict the animal kingdom or the plant diseases which affect our sustenance. It serves no purpose to list the items touched by the original sin, but the whole constitution of nature has degenerated at the re as a result of Adam's fall. Into our individual lives has come the tragedy of pain, suffering, and loss of dear ones. The shadow of the grave falls across, across the path of all mankind. Beyond and deeper than the desolations that afflict us lie the dark and tempestuous seas of the human mind. Desire and jealousy, intrigue and selfish motive display themselves in thousand ways. Who but God alone can compute the waywardness of men's hearts? To summarize, when Adam fell, he delivered himself and his family into the hands of a malevolent being to serve him, be subject to his continued persecution. In all the results of man's fall, we see the helpless and despairing condition of the human race in the bonds of slavery. For though he now accepts this bondage as a natural condition, it is an unnatural state of being, a strange and perverse captivity to the evil one. We take no pleasure in this chronicle of sin's consequence, but it is imperative that we understand how the sum total of human misery is but the logical result of one sin. Surely, we have suggested enough to show the frightful nature of sin and its results. We have become hardened to sin and its effect. Our senses have been dulled and calloused by our perpetual acquaintance with the fruit of evil. 
But the first pair alone knew the full glory of Eden and the sinless nature. It is impossible for us to feel a sorrow they experienced as they told the sad story of the temptation and their sin to their descendants and for seven generations. A century after century passed. Each sin and failure of their own and of those about them added to their sorrow. They saw one son laid in the grave, another a fugitive murderer. About them was a degeneration of that marvelous kingdom from which they were dethroned. The day came when Adam stood, a mighty figure still, though tragic, awaiting the penalty of death. So, just as a reminder, this book is broken up into three sections. The first section, the first eight chapters, is man's predicament. The second section, five chapters, our relationship to Jesus. The last section, five chapters, the divine plan to its climax. So we are on chapter three of eight, man's predicament. And we will talk again next Sunday and we'll have a little prayer with you to close. Dear Heavenly Father, please bless those who are listening here with me today. Help their heart to open to realize our condition for only as we realize our condition and our need when we realize our need for you, for Jesus, to see the way that you are bringing this to a close in the only way possible, that we can trust you and believe that your way is best. Thank you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Have a wonderful day, my friend. God bless you.